Welcome to Sleepy Head Stories today. We love to read books, be silly, and play. Me and my mommy are here every week to read you great stories that all are unique. Join us at bedtime, or bath time, or breakfast. We promise it's better than a trip to the dentist. Welcome to Sleepyhead Stories. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Sleepyhead Stories. Today we are going to be reading chapter two in The Wind of the Willows, which is The Open Road. And we will be with Rat and Mole, and they will be meeting Toad and going on an exciting adventure that they did not expect. So I hope you enjoy. After these messages, we'll get right to it. Chapter 2. The Open Road Ratty, said the mole suddenly one bright summer morning, if you please, I want to ask you a favor. The rat was sitting on the riverbank, singing a little song. Since early morning, he had been swimming in the river in company with his friends, the ducks. And when the ducks stood on their heads suddenly, as ducks will, he would dive down and tickle their necks, just under where their chins would be, if ducks had chins, till they were forced to come to the surface again in a hurry, spluttering and angry and shaking their feathers at him. At last, they implored him to go away and attend to his own affairs and leave them to mind theirs. So the rat went away and sat on the riverbank in the sun and made up a song about them, which he called Duck's Ditty. All along the backwater through the rushes tall, ducks are a-dabbling, up tails all, ducks' tails, drake's tails, yellow feet a-quiver, yellow bills all out of sight, busy in the river, high in the blue above, swift swirl and call, we are down a-dabbling, up tails all. I don't know that I think so very much of that little song, Rat, observed the mole, cautiously. He was no poet himself and didn't care who knew it, and he had a candid nature. Nor don't the ducks, neither, replied the rat cheerfully. They say, why can't fellows be allowed to do what they like, when they like, and as they like, instead of other fellows sitting on banks and watching them all the time and making remarks and poetry and things about them? What nonsense it all is, that's what the ducks say. So it is, so it is, said the mole with great heartiness. No, it isn't, cried the rat indignantly. Oh, oh well then, it isn't, it isn't, replied the mole soothingly. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you was, won't you take me to call on Mr. Toad? I've heard so much about him, and I do want to make his acquaintance. Why, certainly, said the good-natured rat, jumping to his feet. Get the boat and we'll paddle up there at once. It's never the wrong time to call on Toad. Early or late, he's always the same fellow, always glad to see you, always sorry when you go. He must be a very nice animal, observed the mole, as he got into the boat and took to the skulls. Indeed, he is the best of animals, replied the rat. So simple, so good-natured, and so affectionate. Perhaps he's not very clever. We can't all be geniuses. And it may be that he is both boastful and conceited, but he's got some great qualities, that toady. Rounding a bend in the river, they came in sight of a handsome, dignified old house of mellowed red brick 
with well-kept lawns reaching down to the water's edge. There's Toad Hall, said Rat, and that creek on the left, where the notice board says private, no landing allowed, leads to his boathouse, where we'll leave the boat. The stables are right over there. That's the old banquet hall you're looking at now. Very old, that is. Toad is rather rich, you know, and this is really one of the nicest houses in these parts, though we never admit it as much to Toad. They glided up the creek, and the mole shipped his skulls as they passed into the shadow of the large boathouse. Here, they saw many handsome boats, slung from the cross beams or hauled up on a slip, but none in the water, and the place had an unused and deserted air. That rat, looking around him, said, I understand. Boating is played out. He's tired of it and done with it. I wonder what new fad he's taken up now. Come along, let's look him up. We shall hear all about it quite soon enough. They disembarked and strolled across the gay flower deck lawns in search of Toad, whom presently happened upon resting in a wicker garden chair with the preoccupied expression on his face and a large map spread across his knees. Hooray! Jumping upon seeing them. This is so splendid. He shook the paws of both of them warmly, never waiting for an introduction to Mole. How kind of you, he went on dancing round them. I was just going to send a boat down the river for you, Ratty, with strict orders that you were to be fetched here at once, whatever you were doing. You are the very animals I wanted. You've got to help me. It's most important. Is it about your rowing, I suppose, said the rat with an innocent air. You're getting on fairly well, though you splash a good bit still. With a great deal of patience and any quantity of coaching, you may just... Oh, poo, boating, interrupted the toad in a great disgust. Silly boyish amusement, I've given that up long ago. Sheer waste of time, that's what it is. It makes me downright sorry to see you fellows, who ought to know better, spending all your energies in that aimless manner. No, I've discovered the real thing, the only genuine occupation for a lifetime. I propose to devote the remainder of mine to it, and can only regret the wasted years that lie behind me, squandered in trivialness. Come with me, my dear Ratty, and your amiable friend also, if he will be so very good. Just as far as the stable yard, and you will see what you shall see. He led the way to the stable yard accordingly. The rat followed with the most mistrustful expression. And there, drawn out of the coach house into the open, they saw a gypsy caravan, shining with newness, painted a canary yellow, and picked out with green and red wheels. There you are, cried the toad, straddling and expanding himself. There's real life for you, embodied in that little cart. The open road, the dusty highway, the heath, the common, the hedgerows, the rolling downs, camps, villages, towns, cities, here today, up and off somewhere else tomorrow. The mole was tremendously interested and excited and followed him eagerly up the steps and into the interior of the caravan. The rat only snorted and thrust his hands deep in his pockets, remaining where he was. It was indeed very compact and comfortable, little sleeping bunks, a little table that folded up against the wall, a cooking stove, lockers, bookshelves, a birdcage with a bird in it, 
and pots, pans, jugs, and kettles of every size and variety. All complete, said the toad triumphantly, pulling open a locker. You see? Biscuits, potted lobster, sardines, everything you could possibly want. Soda water here, backy there, letter, paper, bacon jam, cards, and dominoes. You'll find, he continued as they descended the steps again, you'll find that nothing, whatever, has been forgotten when we make our start this afternoon. Uh, I beg your pardon, said the rat slowly as he chewed a straw, but did I overhear you say something about we and start and this afternoon? Now, you dear good old ratty, said Toad imploringly, don't begin talking in that stiff and sniffy way because... You know you've got to come. I can't possibly manage without you, so please consider it settled and don't argue. It's the one thing I can't stand. You surely don't mean to stick to your dull, fusty old river all your life and live in a hole in a bank in a boat. I want to show you the world. I'm going to make an animal out of you, my boy. I don't care, said the rat dodgingly. I'm not coming, and that's flat. And I'm going to stick to my river and live in a hole and boat as I've always done. And what's more, Mole's going to stick with me and do as I do. Aren't you, Mole? Oh, of course I am, said the Mole loyally. I'll always stick to you, Rat. And what you say is to be has got to be. All the same, it sounds as if it might be, well, rather fun, you know? He added wistfully. Poor Mole. The life adventurous was such a new thing to him and so thrilling, and this fresh aspect of what it was was so tempting, and he had fallen in love at first sight with that canary-colored cart and all its fitments. The rat saw what was passing in the mind of the mole, and he wavered. He hated disappointing people, and he was fond of the mole and would do almost anything to oblige him. Toad was watching both of them closely. Come along in and have some lunch, he said. And we'll just talk it over. We needn't decide anything in a hurry. Of course I don't really care. I only want to give pleasures to you fellows. Live for others. That's my motto in life. During lunch, which was excellent, of course, as everything at Toad Hall always was, the toad simply let himself go. Disregarding the rat, he proceeded to play upon the inexperienced mole as on a harp. Naturally, a voluble animal, and always mastered by his imagination, he painted the prospects of the trip and the joys of the open life and the roadside in such a glowing manner that the mole could hardly sit in his chair with excitement. Somehow, it soon seemed taken for granted by all three of them that the trip was a settled thing, and the rat, though still unconvinced in his mind, allowed his good nature to override his personal objections. He could not bear to disappoint his two friends, which were already deep into schemes and anticipations, planning out each day's separate occupation for several weeks ahead. When they were quite, quite ready, the now triumphant Toad led his companions to the paddock and set them to capture the old gray horse who, without having been consulted to his own extreme annoyance, had been given the duteous job in this dusty expedition. He frankly preferred the paddock and took a deal of catching. Meantime, Toad packed the lockers still tighter with necessities 
and hung nose bags, nets of onions, bundles of hay, and baskets from the bottom of the cart. At last, the horse was caught and harnessed, and they set off, all talking at once, each animal either trudging by the side of the cart or sitting on the shaft, as the humor took them. It was a golden afternoon. The smell of the dust they kicked up was rich and satisfying, out of thick orchards on either side of the road. Birds called and whistled to them cheeringly, good-natured wayfarers passing them, wishing them good day, or stopped to say nice things about their beautiful cart, and rabbits sitting at their front door doors in the hedgerows held up their forepaws and said, Oh my, oh my, oh my. Late in the evening, tired and happy and miles from home, they drew up on a remote common far from habitations, turned the horse loose to graze, and ate their simple supper sitting on the grass by the side of the cart. Toad talked big about all he was going to do in the days to come, while stars grew fuller and larger around them, and a yellow moon appeared suddenly and silently from nowhere in particular, came to keep them company and listen to their talk. At last, they turned into their little bunks in the cart, and Toad, kicking out his legs, sleepingly said, oh, Well, good night, you fellows. This is the real life for a gentleman. Talk about your old river. I don't talk about my river, replied the patient rat. You know I don't, Toad, but I think about it, he added pathetically in a lower tone voice. I think about it all the time. The mole reached out from under his blanket, felt for the rat's paw in the darkness, and gave it a squeeze. I'll do whatever you like, Ratty, he whispered. Shall we run away tomorrow morning, quite early, very early, and go back to our dear old hole in the river? No, no, we'll see it out, whispered back the rat. Thanks awfully, but I ought to stick by Toad till this trip is ended. It wouldn't be safe for him to be left to himself. It won't take very long. He fades. His fads never do. Good night. The end was indeed nearer than the rat had suspected. After so much open air and excitement, the toad slept very soundly, and no amount of shaking could arouse him out of bed the next morning. So the mole and the rat turned to, quietly and manfully, and while the rat saw to the horse and lit the fire and cleaned last night's cups and plates and got things ready for breakfast, the mole trudged off to the nearest village a long way off for milk and eggs and various necessities the toad didn't have. Of course, he forgot to provide them. The hard work had all been done, and the two animals were resting thoroughly exhausted by the time Toad appeared on the scene, fresh and gay, remarking what a pleasant, easy life it was to be living on the road now, after the cares and worries and fatigues of housekeeping were left behind at home. They were strolling along the high, easy road, the mole by the horse's head, talking to him since the horse had complained that he had been faringly and frightfully left out and nobody considered him in the least. The toad and the water rat walking behind the cart talking together. At least toad was talking and rat was saying at intervals, yes, precisely. And what did you say then? And thinking all the time of something very different. 
when far behind them they heard a faint warning hum, like the drone of a distant bee. Glancing back, they saw a small cloud of dust with a dark center of energy advancing on them at incredible speed. While from out of the dust, a faint boop-boop wailed like an uneasy animal in pain. Hardly regarding it, they turned to resume their conversation when in an instant, as it seemed, the peaceful scene was changed with a blast of wind and a whirl of sound that made them jump from the nearest ditch. It was on them. The poop-poop rang with a brazen shout in their ears. They had a moment's glimpse of an interior of glittering glass and rich leather and the magnificent motor car, immense, breath-snatching, passionate in its pilot tense and hugging his wheel, possessed all earth and air for a fraction of a second, flung an enveloping cloud of dust that blinded and unwrapped them utterly, then dwindled to a speck in the far distance, changed back into a droning bee once more. The old gray horse, dreaming as he plodded along of his quiet paddock in a new raw situation such as this, simply abandoned himself to his natural emotions rearing, plunging, backing steadily in spite of all the mole's efforts at his head and all the mole's lively language directed at his better feelings, he drove the cart backwards toward the deep ditch at the side of the road. It wavered an instant. Then there was a heart-trending crash and the canary-colored cart, their pride and their joy, lay on its side in the ditch, an irredeemable wreck. The rat danced up and down in the road, simply transported with passion. "'You villains!' he shouted, shaking both fists. "'You scoundrels! You highwaymen! You you road hogs! I'll have the law on you! I'll report you! I'll take you through all the courts!' His homesickness had quite slipped away from him, and for the moment he was the skipper of the canary-colored vessel driven on a shoal by the reckless jockeying of rival mariners. He was trying to recollect all the fine and biting things that he wanted to say that masters of steam launches said when, when they wash as they drove ashore near a bank. The words flooded him, but he held his tongue. Toad sat straight down in the middle of the road, his legs stretched out before him, and stared fixedly in the direction of the disappearing motor car. He breathed short, his face wore a placid, satisfied expression, and at intervals he faintly murmured, Poop, poop! The mole was trying to, <laughs> to quiet the horse, which he succeeded in doing after time. Then he went to look at the cart on its side in the ditch. It was indeed a sorry sight. Panels and windows smashed, axles hopelessly bent, one wheel off, sardine tins scattered over the wide world, and the bird in the birdcage sobbing pitifully and calling to be let out. The rat came to help him, but their united efforts were not sufficient to right the cart. Hi, Toad, they cried. Come and give us a hand, can't you? The Toad never answered a word or budged from his seat in the road. So they went to see what was the matter with him. They found him in a sort of trance, a happy smile on his face, 
his eyes still fixed on the dusty wake of their destroyer. At intervals, he was still heard to murmur, Poop, poop. The rat shook him by his shoulder. Are you coming to help us, Toad? he demanded sternly. Glorious, stirring sight, murmured Toad, never offering to move. The poetry of motion, the real way to travel, the only way to travel. Here today, in next week tomorrow. Villages skipped, towns and cities jumped, always somebody else's horizon. Oh, bliss, oh, poop-poop, oh, my, oh, my. Oh, stop being an ass, Toad, cried Mole despairingly. And to think, I never knew, went on the Toad in a dreamy monotone. All those wasted years that lie behind me, I never knew, never even dreamt. But now, but now that I know, now that I fully realize, oh, what a flowerly track lies spread before me henceforth. What dust clouds shall spring up behind me as I speed on my reckless way? What cart shall I fling carelessly into the ditch in the wake of my magnificent onset? Hard little carts, common carts, canary-colored carts. What are we to do with him? asked the mole. Nothing at all, replied the rat firmly, because there is nothing to be done. You see, I know him of old. He is now possessed. He has a new craze, and it always takes him that way, in its first stage. He'll continue like that for days now, like an animal walking in a happy dream, quite useless for all practical purposes. Never mind him. Let's go and see what there is to be done about the cart. A careful inspection showed them that, even if they succeeded in riding it by themselves, the cart would travel no longer, for the axles were in a hopeless state. The rat knotted the horse's reins over his back and took him by the head, carrying the birdcage and its hysterical occupant in the other hand. "'Come on,' he said grimly to the mole. "'It's five or six miles to the nearest town, and we shall just have to walk it. The sooner we make it, better. The sooner we start, the better.' But what about Toad? asked Mole anxiously as they set off together. We can't leave him here, sitting in the middle of the road by himself in the distracted state he's in. It's not safe. Supposing another thing were to come along. Oh, bother Toad, said Rat savagely. I've done with him. I'm done with him. They've had not proceeded very far on their way, however, when there was a pattering of feet behind them, and Toad caught up with them and thrust a paw inside the elbow of each of them, still breathing short and staring into vacancy. On reaching the town, they went straight to the station and deposited Toad in the second-class waiting room, giving a porter two pence to keep a strict eye on him. Then they left the horse at an inn stable and gave him what directions they could about the cart and its contents. Eventually, a slow train, having landed them at a station not very far from Toad Hall, they escorted the spellbound sleepwalking Toad to his door, put him inside it, and instructed his housekeeper to feed him, undress him, and put him to bed. Then they got out their boat from the boathouse, sculled down the river at a very late hour, and sat down to supper in their own cozy riverside parlor.
to the rat's great joy and contentment. The following evening, the mole, who had risen late and taken things very easy all day, was sitting on the bank fishing, when Rat, who had been looking up his friends and gossiping, came strolling along to find him. Have you heard the news, he said? There's nothing else being talked about all along the riverbank. Toad went up to town by an early train this morning, and he has ordered a large and very expensive motor car. That's the end of chapter two, guys. So there you have it, guys. That was chapter two, The Open Road. And we met Toad a little bit better in this chapter. And we found out that Toad is very rich and very extravagant. And he's always starting new hobbies. And in this chapter, his hobby was to ride around in a caravan or a car similar to like an RV or a mobile home and go on the open road and and live a life of a gypsy. And he dragged along Mole and Rat. And of course, it didn't turn out how he envisioned because they got into a crash because a motor car or a real automobile ran them off the road and crashed the poor cart. But then, of course, immediately Toad became obsessed with motor cars and now went and purchased one. So I hope you enjoyed chapter two. We'll be back next week with chapter three. Have a great day or a great night. Thank you for listening to Sleepy Ed Stories. Thanks, guys, for listening. You can hear us anywhere major podcasts can be heard. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.